Hello everybody, this is a Bridges of Meaning Discord conversation. I'm Job and today my guest is Josiah Gorder. Hey Josiah, what brings you to Discord? Hey Job, um, yeah, I'm here for some good conversations really. Um, I've known Paul for a little bit and so I got to know him through our church, through our denomination, through the Christian Reformed Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always just knew of him as, oh yeah, Paul, like he's a cool guy. And then started digging into some of these videos and and hearing about what's going on and then seeing, oh, wow, like there's this whole online community that I'd never heard of or known about. I went to one of the in-person meetups uh, in Sacramento back when, you know, meetups were still a lot more regular. Um, Right. But uh, yeah, and found it really cool. I'd never heard of Jordan Peterson before. I'd never heard of a lot of the things that get discussed on discord before but it was cool to dive in and and learn about those things so yeah I'm, i mean i'm pretty new like i <laughs> i i'm very much a novice in uh in what's going on here what's your impression so far of the community here it's uh it's fun <laughs> it's it's lively uh it reminds me of um i know a lot of my undergrad experience as a, as a philosophy major, just the kind of really unique conversations that come about when people are thinking deeply about meaning, uh, values, things like that. And I'd missed those. So it's nice to be in a place where that happens regularly. Hmm. You majored in philosophy. Yeah, philosophy and psychology. Why? Um, it's a good question. It is a question you would ask a philosophy major, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Um, yeah, honestly, I just loved asking those deep questions. And I I guess I never really liked it when my questions were answered in other subjects. Like, I always just wanted to keep going. And Mm -hmm. and with philosophy, it's perfect because your questions never really get answered. So, What's your favorite Favorite what? Your favorite philosopher. Who speaks to you most? Ooh, man, I've I've read a lot of Kierkegaard. Oh, and I like, I like Kierkegaard quite a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm. Like oh, go ahead. You you'll like the video that'll get released that I recorded with Paul yesterday because I'm wearing my new Sören Kierkegaard hoodie. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I gotta get one of those. Yeah, it's great. It's got just the outline of his hair and his eyebrows, which you recognize <laughs> yeah, right away. Yeah. It's very prominent hair and eyebrows. Yeah. 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 Anyway, no, and I on. like Plato and, and um, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm starting to read a lot more um, Alvin Plantinga, who's, who's a oh. much more modern, you know, take on philosophy. But Like what? His argument from reason? That's That sort of stuff? His, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, warranted Christian belief we're going through right now and Oh shit! Really no, well. I'm like twenty percent into that one. Oh, that's nice. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's perfect. It's 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 difficult stuff though, because yeah, yeah. He he really gets into the nitty gritty. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought you know when I was reading his stuff, I'm like, this applies a lot to what I'm I'm seeing going on 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 Discord here. How so? Oh, you know, just like um, the whole idea of like, how do you warrant what's a true belief? How do you get to that? Mm-hmm. And, and that just being the foundation for everything else. Sorry if there's uh, some noise right now. We've got uh, the maintenance people at our apartment complex come on Tuesdays and do leaf blowing. So oh. <laughs> that's uh, that's what that is. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. It's hardly there. Oh, that's good. Ah, okay. Yeah, you're still here. You bopped out a second. Um, yeah, oh, it was just really loud, so I decided to mute myself for a bit. But. Yeah, but that, that like, you know, how can we establish that we, the, the existence of true beliefs and how would we know that yeah. natural selection would select for organisms that know what a true belief is? And mm-hmm. it's like your mind just reels at some point and uh, it just... Yeah. I before I started thinking about any of this, just you kind of take that stuff for granted, you know, like, yeah, I'm conscious yeah. and I can make, you know, modus ponens, modus tollens, that all works naturally, mm-hmm. you know. 
Uh, we yeah. we live on a on a large rock of of presuppositions and and assumptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've understood that now you've gotten into the business of church planting. Mm -hmm. And how how did this come to pass? Because so you 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 studied philosophy and psychology. It's a great combination. Mm -hmm. How did you go from there into church planting? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it definitely wasn't an immediate jump. I kind of went into those just because I liked studying the topics. I didn't really know what I was going to do with them because neither of them are really jobs that you uh, or, or, you know, uh, majors that you graduate from college and jump right into a job. Not a lot of places are looking for someone with just a bachelor's in either of those things. But I thought maybe I might go into counseling. Mm. I loved talking with people and, and um you know, helping folks figure out what's going on in their lives. I thought maybe I might go into law. Oh. Uh, that was always intriguing. Uh, <laughs> sorry, this leaf blower is like right at my door right now. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it. It's fine. I, yeah, I thought I might go into teaching. Uh, my mom was a teacher. I've, I've got a lot of teachers in my family, and I've, I've always really liked that aspect of it. Uh, and then eventually... Ended up realizing that uh, in ministry, I can do some of all of those things. Can do counseling, can do teaching. Um, I mean, I can't write laws and whatnot, but there's there's definitely some similarities between, um, you know, reading and interpreting laws and reading and interpreting scripture, making a case in court and, and preaching and evangelizing and, and all of those things. So found that ministry was sort of the blend of, of all of the things that I thought I might want to do. I get to do all of them hmm. in ministry. Um, and then church planting, that one took a little bit longer to get into that specific area because, uh, yeah, um, it was always really intimidating to me. I'm like, how on earth do you start a church from scratch? Yeah. This, this seems impossible. And the church planters that I talk to all talk about how hard it is and there's just burnout all over the place. Uh, but... In 2014, I moved to Sacramento, uh, you know, not planning to stay that long, but but I ended up meeting my wife out here. And so here I am, you know, six years later. Uh, <laughs> Story is all this time. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know, just uh, started doing some digging around our neighborhood of Sacramento and looking at the city in general and, and realizing how few churches there are here huh. that in my mind, I, I couldn't. I didn't feel like I could justify leaving here and maybe going back to someplace like my hometown of Grand Rapids, where there's churches all over the place, uh, without trying to do something like planting a church here. And uh, I don't know if I missed it, but what, what's your denomination? Same as Paul's? Yeah, same as Paul. Uh, Christian Reformed Church, CRC. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I... I mean, I remember coming to Grand Rapids for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and the church is everywhere, absolutely everywhere, with denominations yeah. I'd never heard of. And, of course, mm -hmm. all the Dutch last names everywhere. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I find it hard to believe that in, in Sacramento there, there wouldn't be so many. Any idea why that is? I think the further west and, like, northwest you go, that tends to be the trend in the U.S., uh, fewer and fewer churches. Huh. Um, and, and that might just be like, I, I can't give like a, a very well-organized historical answer for why. But um, yeah, I, I think that sort of tends to be the trend. I know in Sacramento, about... Oh, I don't even know. Some somewhere of sixty percent or up of people identify as just non-religious, and that was like a twenty ten. Those were that's from a twenty ten data. So it's I don't even know what it is now, but I can't imagine it's it's gone down. Yeah, but also you're you're planning on starting a Dutch Reformed church, you know, not like you yeah, know some average Baptist church around the corner. It's it's a very particular, and I'm not knocking Baptists, but it's it's a a denomination you don't see every day, I imagine, in the U.S. That there's not that many of them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, out here though, like, 
I don't think anybody's going to even know it's a Dutch Reformed church. Like they, they see church and will be like, huh, okay. Uh, you know, the, the church that I'm at right now is a CRC, but a lot of people don't know that it's a CRC and have been there for a long time. Oh, uh, it's sneaky. And it's, well, it's not, it's not trying to be sneaky so much as just like we recognize there's not a lot of context for understanding what that is here. And so we've, we've seen a lot of, you can, you can drive a lot of people away by digging in your heels into denominational stuff of being like very bold and upfront. Like we are a Dutch reformed church and this is what we believe. And we're going to like pound that out from the pulpit <laughs> kind of thing that, that doesn't go over so well in Sacramento. Okay. Yeah. But when you maintain just the, the basic principles of the gospel, um, the denominational affiliation matters, but it, it isn't as, um, you know, primary. Hmm. What do you think you'll name it? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I think we're, we'll, we'll see whatever um, the people that decide to plant with me, what we can come up with as a team. Okay. So you, you have, oh, you have, you actually have a team. So okay, now we can work on the yeah. on the on the getting the team together scene of the film here. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so how would that go? Which would you dig those people up? What's that? Where would you dig those people up? Where'd you find them? Oh, I haven't found them yet. Oh, you don't have them yet. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm still I'm still very very uh, early stages here. Oh man. Yeah, that's what, uh, so it's funny. I mean, that's what 2020 was supposed to be for me. And the big picture of like church planting, 2020 was supposed to be the year of, of gathering people uh, to form this launch team yeah. for the church plant. And uh, yeah, that's kind of been put on a big hold right now. So, Ah, sorry, dude. I mean, <laughs> it's probably, it's all right. this thing is probably going to stay this way for at least another half a year. Oh, minimum. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a while. No but, Christmas uh, in church. It's going to be rough. Yeah, we were, I was bummed we didn't even get to do Easter. Yeah. You know, it hit right in March. And, and at the beginning, I thought this was going to be like a two or three-week three thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll be back for Easter. And then it, it's you know, like, we did a full service. And, it's like World War One. We'll be done by Christmas. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Nope. We're pretty entrenched right now. Yeah. 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 So yeah, crazy. E even though you're still persisting, but with, with you're, you're persevering in planting your church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, just the, the, the timelines getting, getting moved around, you know, as a lot of people's timelines are nowadays. So. Okay. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. Oh, you gotta go find people and, mm -hmm. and you gotta go buy a building. Although I imagine in the U.S. that's just a lot easier because there's so much land there. So yeah, it it's unlikely we'd buy a building. Uh, normally, it'll be it would probably be something like uh, uh, renting a space. Uh huh. You know, just on Sunday mornings. That's that tends to be how it is. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, property is pretty expensive in Sacramento, just in California in general. But. Mm. At least on what our budget would be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Man, I wish you luck. I wonder what that would all go like. And then you got to figure out how to get the people there. And mm. I mean, that that's pretty much, you know, that goes into whole into the whole estuary discussion that that's Paul and John have been having. Like, how do we create mm. this space that people know how to find and this particular mm -hmm. sort of people we're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm really glad to be part of this now. Cause it's like, Hey, this is where a lot of these kind of conversations are happening. And it seems like a, a good meeting place for people that want to talk about things that matter. This place seems so far from what I've been able to tell pretty unique in that sense. Yeah. And yesterday with Paul, we kind of tried to figure out what this place does right or what it is that makes it interesting. And I, I, I like to think that one of the parts is that we're extremely hospitable to people. Like people show yeah. up and we greet them like, hey, what's up? What's your story? What brings you here? And 
you know, it's not like, oh, you see new people join and at some point you expect them to say something. It's like, no, we're like, hey, you know, you just joined. What's up with that? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. When I went to some of the in-person meetups that Paul was hosting, it was always whoever's new gets to pick the, the topic of, of discussion. Oh, that's cool. And then they kind of have to talk. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like Fight Club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> This is yeah. your first meeting. You have to fight somebody. Yeah, you come home all damaged, at least your ego. And... <laughs> yeah, your ego takes quite the bruising. And, uh, <laughs> then you come back for more. Yeah. Oh, you thought you were a good fighter. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you said uh, you, had, you had some questions. Yeah, yeah. So part of my church planting work is, is just going around doing, you know, rough, basic research. Um, and trying to get a sense of, I mean, for me, it's normally locally of what do people in Sacramento think about Christians in the church? What do people in Sacramento think about the Bible? What kind of church might people in Sacramento even consider attending if they've never considered attending a church before? So, I mean, take the, the locality out of it, but uh, I'd love to just hear your answers of what do you think of Christians and the church? Oh boy, what do I think of Christians and and the church, like the church in general, a particular denomination or? Uh, the the yeah the the church. What world, worldwide? Yeah, yeah, as in like the creed, the the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, but oh. not like the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, that's a very tough question because. <sighs> Man, I, did, I knew you had questions, but these are hard. <laughs> what do I like? What do I think about Christians? I think they're mm -hmm. overall pretty decent people. And what I, what I like about the church is that it's kind of like this place, is that there's mm -hmm. all sorts of people there who disagree on fundamental things, but mm -hmm. but they are still willing to uh, to engage, and. The church is so massive that it's hard to have one opinion about it. I think it's yeah. necessary. I, I think we underestimate what would happen if it was gone tomorrow. If worldwide the church was gone tomorrow, I think we, we hugely underestimate what that would what that would entail. Mm. And yeah, uh, similarly, if all the Christians were gone, we'd, we'd probably notice that. Uh, that it's yeah. kind of like an end game sort of weird scene. I was going to say, aren't there, there's movies about that, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can recommend them if you want to laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, from a background, there's a pre pretty, pretty enthusiastic anti-theist. This is a strange question to answer because I, when I was younger, I'd, I'd kind of expect to see the end of religion in my lifetime. And... Nowadays, mm. I'd be hard pressed to to deny that I'm I'm a Christian. So, mm. uh, boy, I I think that's as close to an answer as I can get on such a complex thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me just do a little follow up. That so you said you're an anti-theist. I used to be. Okay, For, and then what would you call yourself now? Uh, doubt, doubting or? doubting Christian probably is a good okay. good description. Okay. Yeah, I did a little bit of um, of listening to some older videos, just to to try to learn a little bit about who you are, and 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 because I see you've been on this for for a while, um, <laughs> and I, I can't remember the the name of the video. Wait, I think I've actually got it up here. What is it? Oh no, not anymore. Um, but I remember you saying something about you being a big fan of Pelagius. Oh yeah, yeah that. <laughs> <laughs> and as somebody who's come through, you know, uh, Christian college and, and seminary, Pelagius is always just the bad guy. And then to hear somebody be like, oh, I actually really like what this guy's saying. I was just like, oh, man, this, this guy's interesting. Well, the, the deal with Pelagius is the most things that we have about him are things that people wrote in response to his ideas. As far as I can tell, we don't have any of his own writings. So the mm -hmm. stuff we have about him is already kind of biased as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what my, my ideas about Pelagius are pretty much Jordan Peterson derived 
in the sense that, well, Pelagius said that God wouldn't give us tasks that we would be enabled to uh, accomplish from, from what I've understood. And that, of course, flies in the face of, of the, the, uh, the, the doctrine of grace. Uh, but I, I like the idea that, that God would expect from us to be that maximum version of what we could be. And if we, if we were that, if we told the truth, if we said what we thought, if we, we acted the way we should, if we, you know, related properly to another and to God, then we would be able to accomplish the, the or at least face the tragedy of being without too much suffering. Hmm. And, oh, I have no idea when I said that to Paul, but... Oh, it was years ago. I think it was two years ago, at least. I think it was in 2018. So. Peterson has a very existential view of looking at Christianity. And, mm-hmm. and very much in the who dares to say they believe in God, because that's a hell of a claim to make, to say, I believe mm-hmm. in God. Like, you have no idea what that means. And and <laughs> if you knew what that entails, you wouldn't be so quick to to say it. Mm-hmm. Kind mm-hmm. of in a Kierkegaardian fear and trembling sort of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that sort of, of engagement with 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 existence kind of in, in the in the Catholic way of Jacques Maritain and Gabriel Marcel, that is that is so different from what I see in a lot of churches where we're like, oh we can be happy because Jesus, you know, loves us. I'm like, well yeah, mm-hmm. but then how do you engage with with Jesus can love you, but you know, people still die, you know, miscarriages still happen, uh, tragedy still occurs. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's great that Jesus loves you, but what about your own behavior? And you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that—that that you go from legalism of follow the rules to the entire other way of well, everything's fine because I'm loved and I'm saved. And yeah. I kind of like to walk the path in between, in between absolute tragedy of of being and the hooray, everything's fine. That make any sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that does. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like you need something deeper than just catchphrase Christianity to really understand what's uh, what's going on. You see that in the fundamental prayers of of the traditions like Orthodoxy, where they say, you know, you have the, the Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, which mm-hmm. which already comes out of a relationship of, well, I I know I'm screwed, and please, you know. Let me get through the day. And the, you know, Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy. And it, the way that that relates from a, maybe that's a bit of Calvinism showing through in the, mm. in the, in the we're not worthy, all our best efforts are like filthy rags, sort of kind of sort of way. Mm-hmm. That, it's also easy to to fall into that in a sort of false humility, in a sort of groveling humility. That's not really humility. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That sort of smug realization that you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. So, so that, and then the well, I'm I'm saved, so everything's cool, or the well, I'm wretched, and don't I know it? I think there's something yeah. in between that's probably a bit yeah. more healthy. Yeah. I think that living with both of those things is is sort of the ongoing balancing act that mm-hmm. is following Christ, you know, and you get it right away in the Bible. You know, Genesis one is we're made in God's image. And then Genesis three is we are fallen sinners and both are true. And how do you live with both of those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's, Sweet. Well, talking about the Bible, um, that's my next question is, what do, what do you think about the Bible? In which sense? Uh, just sort of broad interview question. Uh, the entire What book? do you think about the Bible? Yeah. Well, it's got absolutely horrific stuff in it, like, you know, Joshua. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's got things that will make your, your, you blink a couple of times, like, you know, do what with the uh, the what were what were the people like absolutely slaughtered in 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 numbers, 
Amalekites? Midianites. The Midianites get totally slaughtered. So that's easy stuff to focus on. Then there's then there's uh, then there's books and all that goes on. There's people begetting people. Like yeah, it's kind of boring. Uh, Mm I, I have the habit of making jokes about things. Uh, I probably shouldn't do that too much in this case. Um, no, <laughs> I love it. But that's why I was excited for this. I see what you write on these Discord things. <laughs> I love the jokes. There's there's loads of books in there in the Old Testament that you could kind of shake your head at and think, what the hell's going on here? But then you got to wonder why it was written down and why it was preserved. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, we very easily think that ancient people were just absolutely, absolute, what do you, how do you, simpletons, and were yeah. totally unaware of, of, or totally unable to have any opinion about anything, that they would easily uh, subject themselves to hierarchy and, and, and unquestioningly go through life. And I don't think that's the case at all. It's, it's some, sort of, some sort of strange modernist superiority complex. So, yeah, yeah. so you can read Genesis and you can see beautiful poetry in there. And, and Peterson shows as much as in his biblical series. And Exodus tells the story of a people. And, and, and again and again, we see that wrestling with God. And, well, who are we as a people? We are God's people. We're not behaving as God's people. And we should. And then that cycle continues and continues. Uh then there's you know the various ways of how the people of God fail to relate to God. The prophets show up, the judges show up. More bloodshed, more tragedy. But yet again, these people keep trying to do the right thing, and then they get conquered, and then they get dispersed, and it's it's a lot of books about tragedy and and perseverance and hope and and faith and so that's the old testament mm-hmm. and of course god in the old testament is is he's a character to say the least oh yeah and i i somebody said to me a while ago a theologian he says when you have uh, when you have moses talk to god like mm-hmm. border, you know, because God's like, you know, you know what, Moses, I am done with these people. I'm yeah. just going to kill them all and start over yeah. with just you. And then Moses is like, no, don't. Oh no, please don't. You know, how about if I can find a bunch of righteous people? You know, how about that? And so he starts yeah. kind of bothering with God. And yeah, I and, just preached on that on Sunday. Oh, lovely. And, oh, that's that's a and nice synchronicity. And I had a hard time with it because I'm like, what the heck? God is such a character right here. Yeah. Like how how do I preach on, on a passage where God says, you know what, I don't think I can go with you guys anymore because I might just, you know, you you are such a stiff necked people, I might lose my temper and destroy you all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how do I preach a, a loving, compassionate God from that? But I mean, of course, you know, fifteen verses later he says that well, you know, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. But you're getting two completely conflicting messages and you're seeing yeah god doesn't fit into the box that we we often want him to no i mean i kind of you know you can kind of get it god's point of view is like i don't care who started it oh yeah you kids are not behaving <laughs> uh but then yeah what the theologian said is that is very much a um it's a socratic dialogue it's mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. it's a dialogue that shows how you could uh how you could interact with the infinite and how you should mm-hmm. how you should position yourself in relation to to reality which can crush you like a bug and that you you very carefully need to barter with with it <laughs> so mm-hmm. i don't know how true that is but i thought it was an interesting interpretation the first time i heard that um but of course there's god who you know sends fire from heaven and and lights the um lights the altar on Mount Carmel on fire, you know, just to show who's boss. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's the God who gets angry. It's the God who changes his mind. There's the God who, who keeps waiting for his people to come to him. And mm-hmm. you see that in the new Testament, you see that in, you know, 
the 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 workers in the vineyard in in the parable of the lost son you know you keep seeing that god who is just that god who waits that god who loves and and it, it's easy to say well god in the old testament is so much more brutal and strict and 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 awful but you know if you read jesus jesus isn't that nice either he's pretty tough on yeah. people and he will call them yeah. evil and he will he will call them out, you know, you bunch of, of, of hypocritical whitewashed graves, you bunch of lawyers, how dare you? And then, you know, vipers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some guys like, uh, Rabbi, you know, you're also talking about us. And Jesus like, yes, exactly. I'm glad you noticed. So Just wait till we get started with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, don't 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 give pearls to swine and don't give, you know, don't give what's what's yeah. good to the dogs. And Oh Jesus! You're not being very nice here. Well, no. Yeah. You're supposed to listen to what I'm saying. So, to go to the New Testament, uh, I mean, yeah, the Gospels are interesting books. Uh, I I haven't read too much of the letters of Paul. I I would like to, but I find them hard to get through. Paul's mm. Paul's is, uh, also an interesting character, but I like I'm trying yeah. to read Romans. And then, you know, Paul can be so existential in his own way where mm-hmm. he just he just wrestles with with who he is and what he became and and how and, and what he's doing. I mean, the guy is totally like he's honest when he says, you know, if if this isn't true, you think I'd be wrestling with wild beasts? You think I'd be doing mm-hmm. any of this if I didn't believe it with all my heart, especially mm-hmm. where I'm coming from? And. You know, he writes that stuff down and sends it to these early churches. You know, as as a church planter, Paul was quite the character. So, oh yeah, what do you think of the Bible? I mean, as a, when I was younger, I just thought it was a you know a bunch of fairy tales, you know, by a bunch of goat herders who didn't really know you know their ass from the moon. And <laughs> the, yeah, sorry for my language. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then you know. Yeah, you go to church as a kid, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything for you. It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, did not these stories. They're just stories. And then somebody like Peterson comes along and he says, "Wait a second, you know, Cain and Abel. Here's the simple story. But Abel is a mirror to Cain, and Abel shows Cain what he's not. Mm-hmm. But instead of Cain interpreting that as what he could be." He smashes the mirror and kills his brother. And God's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing, man? Sins at your door. It's like an animal. It's going to eat you if you don't watch out. Where's your brother? You know, his blood cries from the ground. And, you know, I, I'm listening to, to Peterson like, that's in that book. That's in that story. I had no idea that was in there. So, it, yeah. Yeah. It's a certain way to look. It, it, it's very easy to dismiss it as an entire book, but then you got to wonder why that book, you know, survived empires, why that book changed empires. I mean, yeah, we have the writings of Alexander the Great and Plutarch, and and we have writings of of you know uh, Tacitus, mm-hmm. and we have Plato and Aristotle. I don't yeah. know if they compare in the way that they changed the world to this fun collection of books that that's been okay. with Western civilization for 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 eons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that, <laughs> I think that's a, that should be a suffice as an answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, both of these. What do you think of Christians and what do you think of the Bible are not necessarily questions that can be answered succinctly and completely. So. Mm. Uh, yeah I, I definitely know that they're not something that like you can just put a period on and it's done uh, but well, yeah my last question oh go ahead I, I, one little thing I want to go back to because I think they're interesting and I want to know what you think about it yeah so, yeah, yeah. Um, here's the story I think it's a mark of the boat in the storm and mm-hmm. they think they're going to drown and you know, they're, they they wake Jesus up, and yeah. there's there's what there's one particular. Do you remember where 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 Jesus is sleeping? Where he's sleeping? Yeah, in the boat. Uh, not off the top of my head. No. What is he? He's sleeping on a cushion. 
and then he gets up and he goes and he calms the storm, right? Yeah. That that's that's in there. I mean, I looked it up. And you yeah. kind of read over that, you know. You think, why is there a cushion in a boat? And <laughs> do you know why? Why is that? Uh, it's it's a, Any fisherman in that day would be able to tell you it's a weight. It's a, a bag mm. of sand. And it would be used to mm. stabilize the boat if you'd be standing on one side fishing and mm. pulling the nets up. And, yeah. And so, that you know, you could lay on that. It's kind of like a bean bag, I guess. So that's what yeah. Jesus is laying on. So <laughs> there's another story like that in uh, in John, where uh, you know Jesus comes to shore and he uh, he yell. They're fishing out there, right? And he he tells mm-hmm. them to to fish on the other side of the boat, right? And mm-hmm. if you read the verse, it says that that um, Peter, who was naked, puts something on and he jumps in the water because you're not going to swim to shore naked. And mm-hmm. you kind of read about that, you don't think about it, but you know, do you know why he was naked? No. So what they did back then, and you can find the evidence of this around lakes like that, what they did is they fished with a certain way. They had these nets and they would have weights on them. And you'd, you'd sink the net down like a parachute over a school of fish. And then you'd go, you'd swim down, or you'd, you'd pull the net up, and then one guy would always be swimming down and picking up the, the weights. So there'd always be mm. one naked dude uh, ready to pick the weights back up. And you can find these weights on the bottom of these these uh, these lakes. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of little details that if you start to read them through the eyes of a fisherman, these little things light up. And yeah. I mean, that's just, that blew my mind. Like people like, oh yeah, this is how they fish. You know, they had these, all these different types of fishing and that's why it makes sense that at some point they're fishing and then they have to come to shore and pull the nets up. And that's when Jesus runs into the guy who lives in the, in the caves with the chains around them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, there's layers and layers in these stories and, uh, yeah. and that's what makes them interesting. Also makes it, makes it strange because if it was all, you know, theological propaganda, if it was all oral history, you know, telephone game, yeah. if it was just stuff that was made up, why is that in there? Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, yeah, these details are, are, are baffling. Like, yeah. What? yeah. If, if, if you were trying to, to write a legend to create your own religion, you know, why would you include things like that? Yeah, that's that. If, yeah, that, that, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, if I mean, if these were too, I mean, you know, if these books, these these gospels were written by the disciples, why would they write them in such a way that they always look like idiots? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, yeah. but from from Peter's uh, uh, um, perspective, I can understand this because he feels really bad for having been such a dunce <laughs> and, and for rejecting his <laughs> yeah. Lord. But I mean, this makes perfect sense if you're if you're interpreting these stories as stories that were remembered. Because if you remember, like, oh yeah, yeah, and Jesus was lying on the pillow, and then he got up and he calmed the storm. Like, why would you say that? Why would he not have just? Oh yeah, Jesus was asleep, and mm-hmm. why was he asleep on the pillow? You know, why is that in there? It's it. Oh, yeah. it's obvious. You know, that's why these names are there. Sometimes only once. Oh yeah, there was this this dude there, and. Uh, yeah, and he knew about this and that. So similarly, um, there's a story about the loaves and the fishes. And mm-hmm. Jesus asks, I think he asks Philip where they can get food. And I've looked that up like, oh, yeah, Philip was from that neighborhood and the others weren't. Mm-hmm. And that's why he asks mm-hmm. him. And like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And whoever remembered the that. Sorry? the local hotspot? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We can get some good local cuisine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely interesting to think about these little things uh, that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as far as the Bible goes, that's that. Yeah, yeah, that's that. <laughs> um, my last question is: uh, Well, I don't even know. Are are you attending a church? Is that something that you're doing? Or, uh, yeah, I started attending a church a year and a half ago. Um, by advice of Paul, because I was just struggling why I found myself getting really interested in Christianity and I I couldn't figure out why that was the case. 
so Paul, in his in his ever practicality, and just says, "Why don't you try visit the church?" I'm like, no, why would I do that? You know, I'll combust yeah. in the flames the moment I walk in. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I I, I won't. <laughs> so I I ended up doing that. I ended up going to uh, to a church that existed in a tradition I was brought up in as a kid. Uh, that's Christian Reformed. That's yeah, I think it's fairly similar to Dutch Reformed, although I think Dutch Reformed is just a tad more conservative. But I'd, I'd be hard pressed to know to to tell you exactly why. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, I just started going, and uh, I noticed how much I started missing it when I couldn't go because of COVID. Ah, uh, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we're a lot of us are feeling that right now for sure. Yeah. How I I'd love to hear more about the process of of how you um found that church and chose that church. Like was there a process were you were you looking oh. at a few different options and you were like, "Well, not this one, not this one, but this one." You know, I, how did you land on the one that you're at now? Um well, a couple of factors. Uh, it was the one I was brought up in, so it wasn't too alien. Uh, it mm-hmm. is five minutes walking down the street in the village that I wa- uh, live in. And nice. it is a beautiful 1930s style building. So it's got a bit of that art deco in it. Yeah. And uh, yes. I'm a sucker for that sort of architecture. So. Yes. Hey, that's <laughs> funny. Me too. I, I love art deco. Just the style. Yeah. Yeah. It's and It's got all these nice patterns. And so... Um, I, I did also go to a Hervormed, which also means Reformed, but just a different type of Reformed. Oh, those Protestants. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. But it's that's a bit more conservative, like, you know, women can be pastors, and I think in my uh, denomination they can be pastors. Uh, mm. And that's because uh, uh, I'm a volunteer firefighter, and some of the members there are, go there, and they had said, oh, you know, why don't you come along? Mm-hmm. Um because they noticed I knew a lot about my about my Bible and I knew a lot about religion. I just, you know, was vehemently against it. But like mm-hmm. when I joined the fire department 12 years ago, one of the first questions I got was like, oh, you know, where do you go to church? And I just moved to this village. And I said, well, I don't go to church. And they're like, oh, well, how do you know, you know, how do you know what, what morality is? And I said, well, I think according to Matthew, you're not supposed to judge me about that. So, <laughs> you know, I could slap you around with your own book, I figured. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a very nice congregation as well. But I, I figured, you know, I'll just try the one I've been brought up in. And uh, I don't know. Nowadays, I find myself really navigating towards Catholicism. I've been reading a lot of, uh, of uh, Thomist authors. And I still, I still really like my church because they were very welcoming to me. They kind of let me scout the joint before they started asking questions and uh and and once once i once they started asking questions they were just like yeah you know we're glad that you're here you don't need to you know know what you believe most of us don't i mean of course the people who were already wondering about things and having questions they very quickly find out who the others are so, yeah. you know, the moment you see some young guy show up who's like, oh, yeah, I've been watching the videos of this psychologist who interprets the Bible. They're like, oh, yeah, you're one of us. Come over here. Yeah. So let's have dinner. I mean, like the first week, they basically invited me for dinner. And like, oh, yeah, here's our group of, you know, <laughs> of heretics within the church. And uh, let's chat about ph- philosophy. So, yeah, I've been mm-hmm. lucky in that regard. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool community. It uh, it is. It and there's there's all sorts of people there, and there's all all sorts of little groups. And what I still like about that church is there's people there that I really disagree with on things, but you still sit next to them and you sing the hymns, you know, when mm-hmm. COVID yeah. is around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. So okay. and 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 of course, what we see nowadays in you know social media is that it it is built to create echo chambers and i think the church church is one of the last refuge where you know schisms aside you're never going to find people who only agree with you and you shouldn't yeah it's hard to see when that does happen in the church 
you know, mm-hmm. when, when churches become these insular communities and you're not standing or singing next to somebody who, who votes differently than you or thinks differently than you, when the churches start self-selecting and yeah. Yeah. Cause that happens <laughs> and that's hard. It, it's sad for me to see when, when that does happen. But, uh, yeah. yeah what, what part of the Netherlands are you, are you in? I'm in the, the province of South Holland. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. My, I mean, my family goes way back to um, Groningen. Oh yeah. That's up North. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have a friend who, who I went to seminary with that just moved to the Netherlands recently. Oh, but I'm not know? sure where he's at either. So sorry. Come again. Oh, I'm not sure where he's at either. Oh. So I'll, I'll, have to, <laughs> I'll have to, you know, hit him up and see if maybe he's in South Holland too. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, it, <laughs> I love uh, being able to talk with you about this just because being from Grand Rapids where there's a lot of Dutch folks, mm. you know, we've got our idea of what the Dutch church is. And then to be talking with, with you, somebody who's actually in the Netherlands and part of a, a of a church there. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's cool to talk with somebody from the, from the motherland who's, who's actually there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if I count as average Dutch Christian. I doubt it. Uh, but I mean, like I've been to other churches in my town, like a, a fellow firefighter got married. And so I, I, he said, oh, I'd really like you to come to my church uh, wedding service. And this was when I was, you know, <laughs> fairly atheist. So like, okay, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll show up because, you know, I appreciate you and I'm glad that you're inviting me. So I showed up and I mean, that sermon was just, it's a wedding service, but it was all about how you know, it's if you if you don't know God, you don't know what love is, and atheists don't know what love is. So you know, some firefighters <laughs> were uncomfortably glancing in my direction when that was said. And uh, <laughs> but you know, it's this whole you know this this thundering sermon about sin and 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 suffering and the the weight of marriage and like, geez, this is supposed to be a happy day. Yeah, it's a wedding. Yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, you know, apparently they were used to it. Like, oof, no, that's that's. I'm pretty sure that when I was going to look for churches, that wasn't going to be the one. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it, do you know what love is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want you to show me. Is that the line? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know that. <laughs> uh, there's a tiny Catholic church in my town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on the end of the uh, absolutely on the old border of the village you can see where the village used to end because mm-hmm. uh, yeah you guys can get a Catholic church but not in the middle of town get get over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 That's the end we'll of allow you the outskirts yeah yeah but I do live in, in what's considered the Bible Belt of the Netherlands there are a lot of churches here mm-hmm. okay I guess every place has its has its Bible Belt. Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's those are you know the the big interview questions that I usually ask folks. So, uh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, is it is it helpful in the sense of what sort of church you want to plant? Because do you have any dreams for what your church would be like? Like, what's your ideal church? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's helpful for me to understand uh, where people in Sacramento are coming from, or just where where other folks are are coming from. What's their attitude about Christianity, about Christians, about the Bible, about church, about things like that? Um, so it's just really helpful to know who it is that I'm talking to, especially as an outsider to Sacramento. You know, somebody who didn't grow up here, wasn't raised here. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you ask like, what kind of church do I want to plant? What what do I want it to look like? Um, it's hard because churches sort of take on a life of their own. So I can I can certainly start out with an idea of what I want. But when you bring a community together and it starts to, you know, you can have an idea of what sort of culture you want to form within this group of people. But, 
you know, the, these things really do take on a life of their own. Like, I, I don't know how, um, maybe I, I'm really new to this Bridges of Meaning, you know, community, but I'm, I'm assuming something like that started here where it, it's sort of taken on its own culture. Yeah, yeah, but that's very much made by the people in it. And of course, in a church that that also happens. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, the things that I'd, I want to do, like I... See. Like, is there? A, I mean, are you familiar with uh, with Rod Jugend's Village Church? No, it's in uh, Tucson. Um, okay, and uh, he, I mean, he planted it as an experiment. Um, and what he did is, he when you come into the church, it's you know, it's basically a big house. Uh, when you come in you go through the kitchen first. It's a huge kitchen. And the one time I was there, you know, some guys fixing food. Uh, mm. And he's like, hey, good morning, you know, and some people are chatting like, hey, what's what's for food today? So then you turn right, you go into the church main room, which is all like, you know, secondhand couches and comfy chairs. It's all very comfy mm. and welcoming. There's, uh, there's art everywhere. Um, and mm. there's like this big circle of chairs and couches on this, carpet you know this i think i had this shaggy carpet so it's all just you know comfortable and mm. then it, it's very much like a big family gathering and then afterwards you all eat together mm. and uh, to me that was just i'd never yeah. seen something like that before yeah Ooh. i it, love food uh, <laughs> <laughs> right well yeah <laughs> so yeah and I had some trouble seeing a liturgy in there, but it was there. It's just, you know, since I was new, I couldn't recognize it. Yeah. Because there was definitely, yeah. you know, they were definitely going through a liturgy, but then, the, you know, there was just so much love in that church and all sorts mm -hmm. of people were there. And then afterwards there's, there's food and, and laughter and, you know, there's kids running around and yeah, that was yeah. lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess I can try to like answer some of the bigger questions of what kind of church this would look like without getting into some of the details. But yeah, we, I, I really do like having a, um, a solid liturgy, like a clear liturgy that has a, um, you know, movement to it, direction to it. Our church would probably uh, serve communion every week. That's what we do at the church that I'm at now. And, and you don't find a lot of Protestant churches that do that. I will do communion every week. Um, but I think that's just such a beautiful way to talk about the gospel each and every Sunday. And, and then you get to eat, you know? So <laughs> that's always fun. Um, I, I would love it to be a worship space that... Uh, I, I've worshipped in some areas, um, some chapels and churches that are in um, not necessarily like a lecture hall style where everybody's facing the same way, but when you're you're sitting actually around the communion table. And so you can see the people across from you. You know, you're not just looking forward at the preacher or uh -huh. at the worship, but you're actually seeing the other people in the community, you know, your, your fellow congregants, your neighbors. Um, and I, I love the idea of having a church where you're sitting around something and seeing each other's faces instead of it being this sort of lecture hall kind of let me as the preacher disseminate information to you, but sitting around each other as, hey, we are a community together, discussing this, looking at God's word together, seeing what God is saying to us before we eat this, this holy meal in the middle, that's sitting in the middle of our room. Um, man, I like the idea of eating together every week. I gotta figure out if I can do something like that or if that's just like too expensive because you get a lot of people. You're serving a big meal every week. That can uh, that can add up. But. Yeah, but it, it, people work together on that. And yeah, they, you yeah. Know. I'd say if if people are in for it though, and everybody's bringing their own food, like that's that's pretty doable. That's and pretty they, cool. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, having so you said you would like to do communion every week. Yeah. Oh man, I tried to do that in my church, and I got accused of <laughs> of Roman tendencies. <laughs> yes, see that's and that's like the worst reason not to do it. it I know it, it, why a lot of churches don't is because hey, you know we're not Catholic, we're not going to do that. And, and uh, <laughs> I mean, like 
Yeah. Somebody said, yeah. well, but if we have it every week, then it's no longer special. Like we get blessing every we get the blessing every week. Yeah, is that yeah. no, not any less special, you know? Yeah. I, I had a professor who said, um, you know, somebody would ask him that and, and he would say, well, what if you, uh, you know, say we only did communion like um, 10 times a year. You know, because to keep it special, what if what if you and your wife only were intimate together ten times a year? D does that make it more special? Does uh, does having sex only ten times a year make it more special? And <laughs> and uh, this guy got pretty red in the face and was like, uh, I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> I was like, that is that is a great response. And even in a reformed church, I mean, John Calvin himself when asked how often should you do communion said as often as you can <laughs> sure yeah you eat that body of christ yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah i don't know i gotta i gotta take it slow like you know first i gotta slowly put some you know statues of of mary in the church and then once i've got <laughs> that done <laughs> oh good luck with that <laughs> that's a whole other thing <laughs> yeah I know. Yeah, L no. little steps. <laughs> little steps. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, no. In in Sacramento too, it's a it's a very diverse city. It's um, it's it's said to be one of the most integrated cities in the United States. So a lot of cities in the U.S. are diverse, but will have very um, segregated pockets within the city that are like this is the this is clearly a white neighborhood this is clearly a black neighborhood this is clearly a hispanic neighborhood this is clearly a chinese neighborhood um in sacramento you have some of that but there are a lot of um blended spaces where there are just a lot of people of different ethnicities and cultures and backgrounds living on the same block um and so my hope for our church is that it can reflect that and be a multicultural church, uh, but there's always the challenge of of me coming into it with my uh, white culture and background, mm. and trying to be like, you know, why why would somebody whose you know family came from Mexico, why would somebody who's who's African American want to come to a a white led church um, when you know we've got our own churches that we could go to. So ideally, our, our church would be a multicultural space uh, because Sacramento is a very multicultural city. Right. But, yeah. Mm. Man. <laughs> I, uh, I, we're about at the hour, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wish you luck, man. I, I hope yeah. you, can, you, you will keep us posted yeah. how it goes because this community yeah. would love seeing that. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of exciting to be be a part of this bridges of meaning thing at such a an early stage of this church planting. Yeah, that, uh, and this seems I, I I'm pumped about this too because this seems like a group that I could I could go to with uh, with a lot of my questions about that that are, are going to come up through this church planting process and you know can expect people to give honest answers. Mm. You know. Yeah, it's definitely. a group of people that won't be shy about sharing their true feelings and what they think about something. Oh no, no, no! It's like having one big, you know, group of Dutch people. We're just very direct. <laughs> like, well, I'm thinking of doing this. Yeah, that's a stupid idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's so funny because that's so different than like the Dutch Midwest that I grew up in. Really? Everybody, oh yeah, yeah. In in West Michigan, folks are very, very nice, very non-confrontational. Uh, yeah not not a whole lot of directness oh oh yeah. no no you know because you, you know how dutch job interviews go right no okay it's tell like me. they tell you like oh you know tell me about one of your qualities and you say well you know oh i'm often too honest and they say well i don't think or tell, tell me a bad thing about yourself you say well i think I, i'm often too honest and they say well it's not a bad thing and like, i don't give a shit what you think like, <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that, it, 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 it can backfire. That's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that is our hour right there. Um, that said, yeah, no, but honestly, man, uh, yeah, please stick around. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah.
No, this was good. And um, yeah, I would love to have more conversations like this with other folks in the in the group too. If anybody's okay. up, I'm, I'm um, to see. There yeah. is uh, that's that's definitely something you could bring up in uh, in the main channel. Um, yeah. As long as you don't do an at everyone tag that that gets frowned on, but uh, you yeah, can at yeah. least announce I, it and see where it goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm not much of a uh, at everyone tagger. I'm not big on social media, um, and I yeah. I'll uh, so. I'll mention it in the episode when I post it uh, in a couple of days, and then uh, yeah, I'll make sure that uh, that I I mention it as well. Cool, cool. Yeah, thanks. Right, Jesaya. Thanks for yeah, your time, man. Good. Yeah, thank you. Great talking talk. to you. Mm -hmm. All right. See ya. Bye-bye.